All right. Well, good morning, Grace. How are we doing this morning? All right. Yeah, you can. Uh, I heard you guys were the rowdy bunch. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, my name is Mike Silliman. I'm uh, affectionately known as the new guy around here, okay? I'm the new pastor of Care and Connections here at Grace, and we'd like to welcome you in the main. Also, we'd like to welcome those of you with us in the link. Welcome. We're glad that you're here at Grace this morning. Pastor Jim and Ann are away in New York City celebrating their anniversary, and so be praying for them. What an awesome time, uh, hopefully, that they're having uh, together. Uh, you know, uh, we've, uh, we moved here uh, back the beginning of August, and um, as we are making our way around the community, um, getting into the different stores and that kind of stuff, um, people come up to me, and it's, it's so cool because this happens pretty much identically every single time. And here's what happens. Uh, somebody kind of spots me from a distance, and they, you know, you see the wheels turning, and they approach me, and they come up to me, and, and they, they say this. They say, hey, you're the new guy at Grace. To which I say, yeah, absolutely. I'm Mike. It's great to meet you. And we have this introduction, you know, and it's awesome. And then, inevitably, here's what happened. I'm telling you, this happens almost every time. They get this concerned look on their face, okay? I mean, it's kind of like the eyebrows, you know, everything. Kind of real concerned. They kind of stop. Some of them even put their hand on my elbow. It's kind of like that concerned elbow touch, you know, that you do. And, and, and they look at me in the eye and they say, are the other pastors treating you okay? <laughs> and, you know, the first time I thought, okay, you know, that's fine or whatever. But I'm telling you, this has happened time and time again. And I just want to publicly say, as of today, today, okay, as of today, the pastors are treating me awesome. Okay, the staff, everybody's treating me awesome. Now, um, I will say it's caused me to be just a, just a little careful, you know, like uh, I, I check the door before I'm opening it, you know, I look out in the hallway both ways and I'm just really cautious because I don't know how long this initiation period might, might go on. Uh, but man, it is just awesome for, for us to be here um, little bit about myself. I come from uh, Pennsylvania. I was born, raised, lived all my life in Pennsylvania, never lived out of the state at all. Okay, so I'm learning the culture here a little bit. You guys got to help me with this because I'm new here, you know. And so things like this, don't come up to me until we get here a little while. Don't come up to me and ask me for a pop, Okay, because here's what happens. You know, in Philadelphia, if you, if you ask for a pop, you better duck, okay? We don't do that in Philadelphia. But, hey, we're learning uh, the culture here. It's been fun. It's been great to, to know you guys and get to know you guys and try to remember your names and you're being patient. Uh, but, hey, I brought a picture of my family that I'd love to put up on the screen. Uh, take a look here. And uh, it's my wife, Naomi. I think she's over here. Uh, She's put up with me for 23 years. As you can see, I married up, okay? I married up, and uh, she is just a wonderful uh, partner in ministry for me. Uh, my oldest daughter over on the left, Casey, she's a senior this year. She's 17, and uh, Michael is next to her. He's 14 in ninth grade, and then we have Caleb. He's seven in second grade, and then Abby's all the way over there on the right. Uh, she's in fourth grade and, and 10 years old. And uh, the kids are doing so well, adjusting and making new friends. And it's just been exciting 
uh, for us. And, uh, you know, you guys uh, probably already know this, but you have just an all-star team here at Grace. You guys know that? We, we have an awesome team at Grace, and um, yeah, you can clap for that. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I just count it a privilege to be a part of, of the team here and what God's doing. You know, we left a great and awesome and healthy church in Pennsylvania, and I just think it's awesome that we were able to leave a great and awesome and healthy church in Pennsylvania and come to another great and awesome and healthy church here in Indiana. So I'm looking forward to what God is, uh, is going to do here through us as we, we partner together and we share the love of Christ to a hurting world that desperately needs him desperately needs to know the love of Jesus. Um, you know, all across the country, grace has an awesome reputation of loving people. Did you know that? Um, I came to the church that we were a part of prior to coming here, and they had this cool creative idea that I thought was just amazing. I thought it was, you know, creative and kind of created there in that church gateway that I came from, and it was known as the Blue Crew Blitz. I'm serious, you know, and I show up. I'm like, man, everybody has blue shirts on, and we're going out into the community. Come to find out that that was birthed right here at Grace Community Church. And so other churches all across the country, they're watching us. Why? Because you have an awesome reputation. You have a great reputation both in our fellowship of churches as well as in our community. And your reputation is this, that you guys know how to love Jesus, and you love Jesus well you have a reputation of loving people right where they're at. And I don't ever want us to stop doing that. I don't ever want us to lose that influence and that reputation. Do you guys agree with that? Yeah. And uh, so we, we want to make God smile. We're in this series right now called Light It Up. And we're studying the book of, of 1 John, uh, written by the Apostle John. John wrote several books in the Bible. He wrote the Gospel of John. He wrote 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. He wrote the book of Revelation. And uh, in the book of Revelation, you don't have to turn there, chapter 2, Revelation chapter 2, Jesus spoke these words, and, and, and John penned these words to a church in Ephesus, and he gave warning to a church in Ephesus. And I just want you to listen to this haunting warning that Jesus gave this church Jesus said this, I know your deeds, your hard work and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. That's a pretty cool list of accomplishments, right? But then Jesus says this to this church. He said, yet... I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. You have forsaken the love you had at first. And then he says, consider. That's a great word. That should cause us to stop, evaluate. Consider how far you have fallen. And then he says, repent and do the same things you did at first. If you do not repent, and this is the chilling part, if you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. And so 
grace, while your reputation and while your influence is spread all over the United States and in this community, and we have a reputation to love, we need to always consider how we are doing in the love department. Amen? We need to always stop and evaluate, are we loving like God wants us to love? Because if we ever get to the point, and man, I, I hope we never do. I hope we never do. But if we ever get to the point where we forget and we forsake what we did at first and that love that we, that we showed at first, you know, God can come and remove our lampstand, remove our reputation, remove our influence. And, and I don't think you ever want to see that happen. I certainly don't want to see that happen. God desires for us to lead in love. And love, as we're going to learn today, it's a choice. Love is a choice. Matter of fact, I want everybody to say that out loud. Just say that. Love is a choice. Love is a choice. So in our study of 1 John uh, if you're keeping track and you're really tuning in on this study, this is the third time in this short little book, this is the third time that John brings up the subject of love. So we better pay attention. God has something for us here today. As a church, we want our reputation, our influence to always be driven by love. And we always want to examine how we are doing it. So that's what we're going to do this morning. So you have your Bibles with you, and I hope that you do, turn to 1 John chapter 4, 1 John chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand high, and we have an usher that will, would love to put one in your hand. And if you don't own a Bible, hey, take this Bible home with you. It's our gift to you. And uh, we are going to read a couple of verses here together. 1 John chapter 4, we're going to read verses 7 and 8 together. And so if you uh, could stand with me, we're going to read verses 7 and 8 together. Ready? Let's read. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because, hold on, I want us to say this really, really loud. This is really, really important, these three words that we're about to read, okay? Ready? What's the word say? It says, God is love. Awesome. You guys can have a seat. John says, God is love. Three words that just pack a mean punch, packs a punch. Those words are so much wrapped up in those three words. Love Love is at the core of who God is. So if we want to know what God is like, we need to know first what love is, right? And thankfully, God's word tells us what love is. It gives us a full picture, a great definition right there in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We call that the love chapter, right? You've heard it quoted at weddings, and maybe you've even committed these these verses to memory. I just want to read it for you. Just listen to this definition of what love is. And in your mind as I'm reading this, substitute that word love for God, okay? Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. 
It always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres. Love never fails. That's a description of love. And so because God is love, that is what God is like. John says God is love. Now, we have a spiritual enemy, and his name is Satan, and he's very real. And what the enemy does best is he twists truth He takes a truth and he twists it and he distorts it. He doesn't come up with anything originally on his own. He just takes what is truth and he twists it. And the enemy has taken this truth. God is love. And he he did what the enemy does all the time. He twists it. and, And what the enemy has lied to us about and tells us is that God is not love. Instead, love is God. Just a, just a little switching around of the order of those words, and that's what the enemy loves to do. And the world, under the influence of, of our spiritual enemy, Satan, has twisted and, and, and redefined, tried to redefine what the definition of love is. For example, uh, we're taught just, you know, going through life, we learn along the way that love is a feeling, Right? That love is a feeling and that we, we fall into love, right? We hear that all the time. Maybe you've even said it. I, I fell into love. The problem with falling into love, you fall into it, you can fall out of it, right? And, and, and you know, we, we have this image of, of this, that love is a feeling. It comes around every Valentine's Day, right? February 14th, and we have this, this, uh, this figure that we kind of have, and we put it up on our houses, and we see it all over the place. And what is it? It's, it's a Cupid, right? And Cupid goes around and shoots his arrow. Ooh, wow, I'm in love, right? And, and we're taught that love is a feeling. We're not taught that love is a choice. And so we fall into love and we fall out of love. And, and we're also taught that it's okay to sacrifice our moral principles to obtain this love. Why? Because love is God. And we can, we can sacrifice the truth, what we know about God, what we know about love. We can sacrifice that because, uh, after all, love is God and that's the goal. And we're even willing to sacrifice our moral principles to obtain. Uh, this kind of love. And that is just so wrong and it's such an inaccurate picture of what God teaches us about the nature of love. And uh, if you're taking notes, I want you to write, uh, write this truth down. Write, write this down. And, and, it, and it says this. It says, the ability to love is a consequence of being loved by God. The ability to love is a consequence of of being loved by God. See, John says in verse seven, let us love one another. And he says, for love comes from who? Comes from God. Love comes from God. And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. And so because God is love, we can know, only know what God's love is. And we can only love uh, when, when we know and we've been born of God. And only then will we have the ability to love like God calls us to love. And I want to illustrate that for you here this morning. This empty jar represents our capacity to love. It represents the love that we have before being born 
of Christ, before being born of God, this is our love bank, so to speak, okay? And we do our best to show love to people without Christ, before Christ in our life. We do our best, and, and we can kind of copy what we think we know what love is, but, but the truth of the matter is, is we don't have anything to give. Before Christ, we have nothing to give. We have, we have no ability to love because, see, the ability to love is a consequence of being born into God's family. And so when we say yes to Christ and God chases us down, and many of you have a testimony of how God just chased you down, his relentless love found you right where you were at, and he He saved you, and you were born into God, and you have Christ living in you. You now have the capacity to love like God. You have the capacity, and and the good thing about this love is it's a perfect love, and the good thing about this love is it's God's love that is in you, and the fact that you were born into God, and you have Christ in you, you now have the ability to love like God wants you to love. And so here's the, the opposite is also true. Where there is no will to love, when you have no will to love, that must mean that God is absent from our lives. Why? Because God is love. And anyone who is born of God knows God and has the love of God in them. And, and here's what I want you to know this morning. The person who lacks love, the person who lacks love shows himself or herself to be unchanged at the core of his being by the gospel. If if you lack love, there's only one conclusion you can come to. It's that you, you have been unchanged at the core of who you are by this gospel because anybody that's been changed by the gospel, you know what this love looks like and you know what it feels like to be loved by God. When you were so far away from him and he reached into your life and he pulled you up out of the pit and he saved you and he unleashed his love on you, all you want to do is love others. And that's not even your love. It's the love of God that just springs from you. Love is a consequence of being loved by God. Our ability to love is a consequence of God's love in our lives. So John continues to define love for us. Look at verse 9. John says this, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might, what's it say? That we might what? We might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Wow. And if you're taking notes, write this down. Write this down. Love always takes the initiative regardless of the outcome. Love always takes the initiative regardless 
of the outcome. Christ died on the cross, and when he was ready to die on the cross, he didn't sit down and think to himself, you know, okay, I have to weigh how many people now, let me see, how many people are going to respond to my call of salvation in their life? Let me add them up, and let me make sure that it's worth me going to the cross for. Jesus didn't do that. See, I'm convinced that if one person And he knew that one person wouldn't respond to his call and his salvation that he offered on the cross for us. I'm convinced that he would have still went to the cross. Why? Because God is love. It's in him. He can't do anything but love. And love always takes the initiative, regardless of the outcome. Well, some of my favorite verses in all of Scripture, and if you don't have these verses memorized, do yourself a favor, memorize these verses. Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 8. This is what it says. You see, at just the right time, when we were still, what's, what's the word? We were still what? We were powerless. Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That means that while we, you and I, were at our very, very, very worst, God gave us his very very, very best. And he did it. He did it. Regardless of the outcome, regardless of your response, that's what he did for you. That's what he did for me. Love always takes the initiative regardless of the outcome. And and here's the deal. If we love like the world loves, if we love like love is God, here's how, we, here's how we love. We follow a simple principle, and it's called the principle of reciprocity. You guys ever hear that? The law of reciprocity, the principle of reciprocity. I took a sales and marketing course years ago, and they taught, they hammered this into us. And, and the principle is very simply this. We tend to feel obligated to return favors after people do favors for us right? And so here's what that means. I I show up in New Paris. We're new to the neighborhood. And some of our neighbors, they showed up and they knocked on our door and they came bearing cookies. Some very, very good cookies, okay? And and they gave us those cookies and and it was awesome. And we said, thank you. and, And we closed the door. And here's what the law of reciprocity says. The law of reciprocity says that when that same neighbor comes to me, you know, a month or two or six months or a year later, and they knock on my door and they say, hey, we're, we're going on vacation. Um, would you watch my dog? Okay, I bring a call to my memory. Okay, yeah, they brought me cookies. And so I'm going to return the favor and I'm going to say, sure, right? That's what the law of reciprocity is. And, and now that same neighbor, if they come to my house and they say, hey, we're going away, would you watch my cat? Well... I say, well, you're going to take a, a few more dozen cookies, okay? I'm sorry for all you cat lovers out there. But, uh, but that's the law of reciprocity. When Naomi and I got married, um, we got married very, very young. That means, translation, we were very, very broke, okay? Um, I was 20 years old. Naomi was 18 when we got married. And um, we had 
No money. And I, I mean, no, when I say no money, I probably mean negative money, okay? Um, you know, more month than money and that kind of stuff, you know? And, and so we decided that, you know, we wanted to go on a honeymoon, but we had no money. And so we were banking on the cash that came at our wedding as gifts, right? Uh, to fund the honeymoon. How many of you, if you're honest in here, this is a safe place. How many of you did the same thing? Okay, a couple of you, the rest of, some of you are lying right now. But, but that's what we did. And so here's what we'd said. We said, okay, as we drive down the road, it's gonna get on 95, we're gonna start driving and uh, how much money comes in will determine how far south we go, okay? That was our strategy, I'm telling you. And so we made it to Virginia, okay? We made it to Virginia. Hey, it was better than Pennsylvania. We made it to Virginia. That's what we could afford, and we showed up, and we just went to the beach every day because we didn't have any money. So the beach was free, and we just showed up at the beach. But there was a boardwalk, and so we decided we're going to go walk on the boardwalk and window shop. And so while we were walking down the sidewalk, this really friendly guy um, big smile on his face. He came up to us and he goes, you guys look like you're just newly married. I, I don't know how he knew that. I guess, you know, we, we look good together. We were, you know, arm in arm and still in love and we weren't arguing, right? And so we, we, we were, we, he, he says, look, how would you guys like to go to Bush Gardens for free? Absolutely free. And ding, you know that. Uh, hey, I like free. Now you're talking my language. Tell me what I got to do. And he says, okay, here's what you got to do. Take this card and I want you just to go. And he gave me the address. He says, you got to go listen to a little spiel. It's, it'll take a couple minutes. Just, just go. Ah, you've been to Virginia Beach Boardwalk. Um, he says, just go. Listen, just tell him no. And off you go. He'll give you tickets to uh, Bush Gardens. And so we show up at this place and we walk in and they rolled out the red carpet. I mean, there was people greeting us at the door. They were, they were just friendly. There was food laid out all over the place. I mean, we, we could eat. And I mean, it was just awesome. It was great. And we sat down and then finally they called our name. They said, uh, uh, Mike and Naomi Silliman, come on back. And we went back and there was a guy with a clipboard. And uh, I've learned since then that uh, um, that clipboard might as well have been a gun, okay? Um, he sat us down and, you know, and he started out with some nicety stuff. You know, it's so cool that you're married. You guys, just, just tell me your story, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And then he went into the sales pitch, the old timeshare sales pitch. You know, um, he started out here and I said, we don't have any money. You don't understand. We don't have any money. Oh, okay. Well, we have a plan for you. This one, no, you, 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 you don't understand. We don't have any money. And he kept going down, you know, to the bottom. And I finally just said, look, no, I don't have any money. And he says, okay, I'll be back. And he comes and goes, gets his boss. And his boss comes back with a clipboard as well. You guys ever been experienced this? Yeah. And so I'm, I kid you not, two hours later, I kept saying, no, 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 no. Finally, he begrudgingly, he begrudgingly handed me my tickets to, to Bush Gardens. And, and uh, the law of reciprocity didn't work for us. But, you know, we took them gladly and had a blast. But that was two hours of our life that we'll never get back. And it was, it was awful. And I never want to go back to that. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. It's easy for us as followers of Christ to operate by that same principle of reciprocity. Here's what happens. We size people up. We, we, we look at people. We evaluate what their potential outcome is going to be to the love that we're going to give to them. 
We make decisions on who's worthy of our love. We pre-qualify them before we're willing to love them. And here's some questions that we ask ourselves. We'd never admit to this, but these are some questions that kind of sort through our mind as we have an opportunity to love someone. We, we ask ourselves this question, you know, before I love you, I want to evaluate the likelihood that you will respond favorably towards me, that I get something out of this relationship. Believers, Christians, we do this all the time because this is the love that the world teaches us. And then here's the conclusion that we sometimes come to. If I love that person, if I love that person, I'm going to get taken advantage of. I'm going to get taken advantage of. I'm not going to love that person. Matter of fact, I'm going to walk the other way right now really quick because I see them coming in my direction. You know, here's another one. If I love that person, they're going to drain me emotionally. They're going to drain me emotionally. And so I'm not going to, I'm not even going to go there. I'm not going to give that person love. And, and John answers that by saying, look, your capacity to love, your capacity to love exists in you because you were born of God. And listen, what John wants to say to us today is the love that you have isn't your love in the first place, so stop being stingy with it. It's not your love. It's God's love in you. And if he's given his, his bountiful love to you, don't you think that he will supply enough love to go around to even the most unlovable person that you may come, come in contact with? There's an unlimited reservoir. You can pour and pour and pour and pour and pour some more. You will never run out of the love because God has unlimited love. And so he wants us to just spread seed everywhere. Use salt liberally, okay? That's the only time you'll ever hear that, right? Use salt liberally, just spread it around because God has ample salt to go around. And something very beautifully happens when we love like this. When we stop pre-qualifying those that we're willing to show love to, and we just are willing to go there, something beautiful happens. Something amazing happens. Look at this, verse 12, John says this says, no one has ever seen who? No one has ever seen God. But look what he says. But if we love one another, check this out. God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. So here's what you got to know this morning. When we love one another, the invisible God reveals himself visibly through us. Is that not a cool picture? And what that means, what that means is this, that your life, your life is drawing a picture of who God is and what he is like. It shows up visibly in you by how well you love one another. It shows up visibly in you. So the question that, that I have for you this morning is, what is your picture of God that you're drawing for the whole world to see? Is it an accurate picture of the love of God? Or 
does the picture that you're drawing of your life communicate this to people? You got to clean up your act a little bit before I decide to unleash a little bit of love in your life. What's your life communicate? It's drawing a picture of God. If you're a follower of Christ, your life is drawing and how you're loving one another, you're drawing a picture of who God is. What kind of picture are you drawing? John 13, verse 35 says it this way. It says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. And what's it say? If you love one another. If you love one another. Let me illustrate this for you. I'm going to put up a logo on the screen, both here in the main and over in the link. I'm going to put up a logo on the screen. And I want you to shout out the company or the organization that the logo represents. Okay, pretty simple. Um, It's second service. You guys are a little more awake than the first service. So let's give this a shot. What's our first logo here? Shout it out. What is that? Nike, right. Okay, pretty easy. Let's ramp it up a little bit. This is going to be really difficult. Okay, next one. Oh, yeah, you guys are on it. Okay, now, here's the, here's the third one. You ready for this? Here's the third one. Go ahead. Yes, yes. See, oh, whoa, whoa. Okay, back to the Eagles, because I'm the guy with the microphone, okay? Now, I had to find a way to work this in the sermon. I'm sorry. Uh, tech guys, if you could just leave this up for the remainder of the service. Um, God will bless you for that. Um, no, I'm, I'm just kidding. But here, here, here's the deal. That's the power of brand recognition, isn't it? Like that you can spot a logo. There's no writing at all. And you're able to shout out what that is. These organizations, these, these, these companies are just masters at, um, you know, getting us to recognize their brand so we buy their products so that we use their, their product and, and all that kind of thing. And here's the deal. We have a logo as well. We have a logo as well. As followers of Christ, you know what our logo is? It's our love. Love is our logo. Love is our logo. And people should see you, and there should be such brand recognition, as much brand recognition in your life, in your logo, that that there is in, in the Nike swoosh symbol, or the Facebook symbol, or the Philadelphia Eagles symbol. I mean, there, there, there should be that much brand recognition. Love is our logo. And we have an opportunity, church, to love like Jesus loves. Remember, it's not your love. It's, it's God's love in you. And, and the only one that has the God's love in you is those that have been born of God. That's us. That's the church. And we are the only ones that, that carry his Love, all the other love that is found apart from God is, is just a ripoff of what, of what God's love is. And we have this logo, and love is our logo, and we need to wear it proudly. We need to wear it proudly, and we need to wear it loudly. Love is the trademark of every true believer. And now, how, how is this supernatural ability to love like this even possible? it's not easy. I mean, I, I have people in my life, um, I, I call them EGRs. You guys know what an EGR is? EGR stands for extra grace required, okay? Every small group, 
at Grace has an EGR, okay? And if you say, now hold on, if you say, now we don't have an EGR in our small group, guess who the EGR is, okay? <laughs> every, every group has an EGR. But here's the truth of the matter is, all of us have EGRs in our life. We have people that just, we, we feel like they drain us and they zap us from every amount of you know, energy that we have. And, and we, we look the other way and we know that we should love people. We know that we should listen to them and make time and allow our schedules to be interrupted. We know that up here intellectually, but it's another thing when it comes out, you know, fleshing that out day in day. So how in the world do we do that? That's, that seems supernatural. And John tells us how we can do that. Look at verse 13. John says, this is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his, what's the word? Spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and we rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. If you're taking notes, write this down. The ability and the power to love comes through the Holy Spirit living in us. Comes through the Holy Spirit living in us. And let me just remind you, you already know this, but let me remind you, the same Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives and resides in you and in me if we are a follower of Christ. That same power, that same Spirit lives in us. So that's how we love like God loves. That's how we can look at the most unlovable person that may never respond in a way that we would hope they would. And we can continue to dish out the love. Why? Because love is our logo. Love is our logo. It's our trademark. It's what we do as followers of Christ. But we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility. Galatians chapter 5, verse 25 tells us about that. Paul says this, Since we live by the Spirit, the Spirit of God is living in us, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. See, we need to keep in step with the Spirit. It's very possible. You know, we go through our life. We're so unbalanced in our schedules. It's crazy. I have four kids. I know what it's like to be out of balance in our schedule and all of these things that's out of balance. Maybe sin creeps in here and there, and we allow sin. We don't have a short record uh, of repentance with God. And before long, all the holes in our life, all of the ability for us to love gets clogged. It gets clogged with the noise of the world, with the unbalance of our schedules, with, with sin. And what it means to keep in step with the Spirit is to, is to keep the holes of our life pure, unclogged, so that we can keep in step with the Spirit, daily yielding to the Spirit of God. God, before our feet hit the ground, God, I want to be used by you today. God, I want I want you to interrupt me. Our, 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 our day planners, our calendars, and our phones, and our, our outlook, all of those things should have a big asterisk beside it that says, you know, maybe subject to change by the Holy Spirit. That's what we need. And we, we need to 
Keep in step with the Spirit. Be listening in tune and stop looking at people as interruptions to our schedule and and seeing them as divine appointments to love and to unleash the love that God wants us to unleash in in their lives. We need to stop praying, God, you know, you know how much I hate my boss. I dislike him because I'm not allowed to say hate. I dislike my boss, and you know what a jerk he is, and God, would you remove me from that? We need to stop praying those kinds of prayers, instead saying, God, use me to love on this guy that's so unlovable in such a way that he would would see that love is my logo, and it would point to you, God, and his heart would be softened, and he would come to know that love that comes from you. That's the kind of prayer that we need to be praying. Here's the outcome. John gives us the outcome. Look at verse 17. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are, what's it say? We're like Jesus. We're like Jesus. And there is no fear in love But perfect love, what does it do? It drives out fear. It drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. See, love is the ultimate remedy of fear. And when we love and when we allow God's love to flow through us, the fear leaves. The fear flees and people are able to see the love of God. As we see God's love taking visible shape in the community of faith here at Grace, we become more confident and more like God, and love begins to transform us. It takes us over. We realize that our fear is gone, and now love has come. I want to paint a picture for you. This is a picture that you have seen, I'm sure, in this church. I've seen, we have seen, as followers of Christ, we have seen this kind of picture time and time again and it's, it's about a guy who became a Christian, okay? He, he stumbles in here sometime. God, of course, we know that that's the Spirit drawing him. And he comes in here and he, he finds Christ. He becomes a Christian. But he is an antagonistic, bitter, quick to take offense at, at others uh, who, who he thinks slighted him. Okay, you got the picture of that guy. Don't look at him, okay? Just, you know, but you got that picture of that guy, you know? They, they, they said yes to Christ. They became a follower of Christ, but man, they just got a whole lot of baggage. They're just bitter. Their life is just filled with bitter and, and, and they take offense to everything. This guy, you know, he's, he's burdened by a poor self-image. He has a poor self-image of himself and He can't even believe or fathom how God could accept him with all of his faults, all of his baggage, right? Every time something uh, would go wrong, this person, uh, they're sure, they're just absolutely positive that it's God punishing them, right? God's punishing me. That's why why this is going wrong. And and, uh, and even when things seem to be going okay, things seem to be going smoothly in this guy's life, life, there's always this aching fear. There's always this knot in his, in, in his stomach that keeps him from feeling peace, keeps him from feeling the satisfaction um, of the love of, of Christ. But then this guy becomes part of, of our church, becomes part of Grace Church. And 
you guys, the members, begin accepting him just, just as he is, you know, recognizing, man, this guy's a new believer. He's got a lot of baggage. He's got a lot of junk in his life. But they understand his behavior. They overlook his, his insults because there's, there's plenty of them. They overlook those insults, and they, and they just keep pouring on the love. They keep pouring on the love to this guy. Somebody invites this unpleasant guy into their small group. You know, hey, I want you to come. I want you to just be a part of our group, knowing full well that this guy's going to require a lot of energy. You know, there's, there's a lot of mess in this guy's life, and it's like you're going to follow this guy with a dustpan and a broom, just kind of cleaning up all his messes. You got, that, got the picture of this guy? But they invite him, and gradually this guy begins to realize that these people loved him in spite of him. Like, they truly love, they're not just putting up with me. Like, they love me. He begins to realize that. And he starts to kind of act out and get a little worse for a little while. Okay? Why? Why? He's just trying to test their acceptance. You've seen that, right? Kind of test. Is this for real? Like, I'm going to push them. <laughs> I'm going to show them that, that I'm really unlovable. People do that, right? They try to test our acceptance, but yet, group of people that are kind of loving on this guy, they just continue to pour out the love on him. Finally, he gets to a point in his life where he's, he's convinced he was loved. He was loved. And with this discovery, he has this great release. Fear is gone. Now love has taken over. And when love has taken over, there's, one, there's only one thing left to do. Love. So this guy starts loving people, and he has an eye for people that are coming in, and he can spot them from a mile away because he's been there, and he knows, man, that guy's hurting. I can see me in him. I'm just going to pour on the love. I'm going to pour on the love. And then that guy, I mean, and so it just keeps going and going and going. See, that's the power of love. That's what God has called us to do. That's what God has called us to do. 1 John 4, 19, look at that. It says, we love because he first loved us. Remember, our ability to love is only a consequence of being loved by God. God's love kindles a flame in our hearts, and in turn, we we just offer love to people that don't deserve it. Verse 20, John says this, whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister, what are they? It's a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command, anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. As we wrap up this morning, here's really what John is telling us. John is saying to love like that, it costs us something. There's a sacrifice involved in this kind of love. This love is not easy. It does not come naturally. It comes supernaturally by the filling of the Holy Spirit in our lives. 
And then it pours out as an expression of what God's love has done for us. I just want to ask you a couple of questions this morning as we wrap up. What would it look like if, if you, right now, and, and, and I, we, together as a collective body, each one of us, we began to love like this each and every day? I'm not talking just, you know, okay, I'm going to do it tomorrow. Just this guy, you know, I'm going to show him a little bit of love and then I'm done. You know, no, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about what would happen if you and I sought out somebody that, that is coming to your mind right now. You know, that person's like, oh man, I've been avoiding them. I've been dodging behind cars in the parking lot. I don't want eye contact with that guy. What would happen if you sought out and I would seek out a person like that, somebody that is completely unlovable at this point in their life, somebody that very potentially might not offer you anything in return. Nothing that that person will, potentially will give back to you. What would happen if you and I latched a hold of that person and say, you know what, I'm gonna commit to loving this person through. Regardless of how they respond, regardless of what the outcome, I'm gonna love that person. Why? Because that's how God loved me. While I was still a sinner, while I was still sinning, God gave me his very, very best, and I need to give the very, very best of the love. I'm not pre-qualifying people before I dish out love. Love is our logo. See, I believe that our world, our world is hungry, hungry for that kind of love. I, I, I believe it. And, and man, we will see something happen, a move of God like we've not experienced. We've experienced some pretty cool things here. I've got caught up to speed on all that God has done here at Grace, and it's phenomenal. But let me tell you something. If we begin to love like this, every one of us does our part, man, I, I would love to see what God does in us and through us. Are you willing to love like that? Are you willing to stop pre-qualifying people before you dish out the love? Love is our logo. Let's wear it proud. Let's wear it loud. Would you pray with me? God, we recognize that apart from you, we have zero ability to love. Zero ability to love. But with you, with you, being born into you, having Christ in us, we have 100% ability to love like you love because your spirit is in us. God, help, help us. This is hard stuff. This is difficult stuff. Help us to put feet to our faith and begin, even today, loving the unlovable without expecting anything in return. God, convict us when we are pre-qualifying people. When we're operating by the law of reciprocity, God, would you convict us of that? Remind us of the power of your love given to us and help us to love like you. Help us to love with reckless abandon because that's what you call us to do. We pray this, Jesus. We need you and we pray this in your strong and powerful name, the name above every name, the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen.